with the uncertainty and unsureness of what the outcome is going to be, they can become so overwhelmed with fear and uncertainty that they procrastinate. They put off doing it or they find something else to do instead, or they may go into a complete state of paralysis and say, oh no, video is not for me. What's happened is the subconscious mind has connected these dots and says, whoa, whoa, I have felt this before. And through a process of emotional resonance, you bring the energy and the intensity of all of those events into that moment. Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. I am so excited for our show today because we have a very special guest who I will be interviewing with an amazing background. She is a woman who is not only repositioned and changed her career, but who is doing work that changes the work and lives of business owners, entrepreneurs, and leaders at their core. Penny Chason is a professional hypnotist who helps multi-six and seven-figure entrepreneurs and other leaders break through subconscious barriers to their next level of success. Penny believes that most entrepreneurs experiencing blocks in things like follow-through, indecision, loss of focus, procrastination, that they're experiencing the impact of subconscious beliefs that have risen to the surface. Through her one-to-one hypnosis sessions, she helps her clients gain insight and shift perspectives to get out of their own way so that they can take action and follow through. Penny, welcome. I'm so delighted to have you. I'm delighted to be here, Rita. I can't wait. Oh, me too. <laughs> I am, I'm just, I can't tell you how excited this is. Just this topic is so um, important to me and obviously both to our, both of our work and to other people in general. So one of the things I want to start with so that our listeners get to know a little bit about you is to, for you to give a little bit of explanation or, or description of your professional background in healthcare, which was for many years. And you, so you've been helping people for a very long time, but what sparked your desire to make the change from healthcare to professional hypnotist, which I see as a form of healthcare, but what certainly very different. What was the, what made the leap? Oh, what made the leap was that when I worked at a small hospital in Eastern Connecticut, providing anesthesia, I was putting together, I decided I wanted to teach. And I wanted to teach people about pain management because I learned so much about it in anesthesia school that I did not learn as a nurse that I knew would make a difference. And as I compiled this full day seminar, I came across the research on hypnosis. I thought, wow, like this is a real thing. Like I knew it helped my mother get rid of migraines back in the 80s. But I thought, oh, wow, this is interesting. So I began to pay more attention and the hospital had a center for healthcare integration, the CHI Center, uh, appropriately named. And when patients came through that used mind-body techniques, they took less anesthesia. Some people, amazingly less <laughs> anesthesia. And I thought, wow, so it 
percolated in my mind. I looked into several different trainings that were weekend-based and that kind of thing, and I was a very science-minded person. When you've been in healthcare that many years, you have standards, you have protocols, uh, order sets that you follow. So very scientific-minded, and I came across one day a training by a retired nurse anesthetist who had been a captain in the Navy, Ron Esslinger. He's actually known in the U.S. as the king of pain. So I decided I would train with him because I would get anesthesia association credits, and it was curiosity. And it was the fifth day of class. He did a demonstration called glove analgesia. So you can use the power of the mind to numb a body part so much that you can actually do surgery and have a person be completely comfortable. So he demonstrated glove analgesia on moi. Wow. (laughs) And he clamped a surgical clamp shut on the back of my hand, Mm -hmm. and I never felt it. I knew he was touching me. I had the awareness of touch. When I heard the surgical clamp snap shut, I knew exactly what he had done and was just completely floored that I didn't feel a thing. And I had the marks on the back of my hands for like two, three hours afterwards. And it was in that moment I was like, holy wow. Wow. Why why doesn't anybody know about this? So uh, I went home with my credits and telling my husband, you know what, I'm going to be a hypnotist. And he's like, well, well, what? Wait, what? You still have student loans. (laughs) What do you mean? So it started out as a part-time keep my skills up, learn and grow practice. That was where I started back in Connecticut. Got it. And then it has formed to be what it is today. Tell me, what were there any obstacles, external or internal, for those people who might be making a leap in their career at this point is what would you what were there any obstacles first and then what advice do you give to someone who's making a shift in careers a shift in careers well first of all because i worked in healthcare there was a lot of doubt around it because you can't quantify measure regulate the subconscious mind so i had to overcome a lot of doubt of others which meant I had to be even more confident in myself. And that was why I was glad I got the training that I got. Anytime that you make a shift in career, the last year has been huge for me. And it really came down to I had found my passion. And um, you and I circulate in the same circles. It's my dharma. I mean, I don't, my heart, it just feels like it's going to burst right now. I love talking about this stuff. And my regular life became uncomfortable. My other job became uncomfortable. I was beginning to resent being there because even though at one point that had been something that lit me up, I had found that next step that I had evolved to. So part of it was trust. Um, Trust from going from a paycheck that was going to go in the bank, whether I worked, you know, five hours taking care of patients in the hospital that week or 40 hours taking care of hospital patients in the hospital that week. So I have to show up and be available even if I didn't work. And then it's not the same here. So there had to be a whole mindset shift. And I have to be honest, I have to give credit for that, the foundations of that shift to my transformational coach 
because I did not know who I needed to be. I knew I had to be someone different, but I didn't know who that person was. I didn't know who I had to think like. And so I've used what I know about the subconscious and thoughts and habits and how thoughts can become habits to interrupt those patterns. And, you know, even though I know what I know at times, I still reach out to someone and say, feedback to me what you're hearing that I'm missing so that I can get the focus of like what's under this and pull the rug out from under it. So yeah, if you're making a transition, trust, get support, find people who support you, not people who, who don't understand and aren't going to tear you down. I don't spend a lot of time with friends locally because People tell me, say, oh, you better not let go of that job. You better not do that. You're going to regret it. What if something happens? So I've had to surround myself with people who understand what I'm doing and can be a sounding board for me. And I know I'm not alone. That's huge. Yeah. You had a lot of great pearls in there. Uh, um, Not being alone, trusting, and it really, that coming down that you have to love what you're doing. You have to, the desire has to be greater than the fear in essence, and that you want to do it. I felt the same way that I will do this work if it takes me until I'm 90. So that passion is what will get you through the doubt times, perhaps. And certainly making the shift, which I admire from you is like I did too, is moving from, from, you know, a corporate type of an experience to an entrepreneurial venture is definitely a different world. Now, what I'm really excited, this is the part, the meat and the potatoes of why I have you here is that I want to help our listeners understand what a subconscious block is, of course, and how they can identify it as it relates to their business, and then, of course, how they can overcome it. But I want to take it really slowly, and I'd like you, for those people who are listening here, most of them have heard me talk about subconscious programming and your subconscious mind, but what about the person who doesn't and hasn't ever heard of this? Can you explain a little bit about the power of the subconscious mind and Mm -hmm. how it influences our lives? Start at the basics. Yeah. So, The most basic is that when we're born, our subconscious is blank. Psychologists and psychiatrists refer to it as la tabla rasa. In every single experience that we have, from our first breath to feeling warmth, to bonding with our mother, to the first bottle, to our first step, the first time we trip and fall, you name it, our subconscious mind is processing that information. And our subconscious mind processes far more information than we have in our conscious awareness in any given moment. So what happens is the subconscious mind takes these patterns because every time something happens, we consciously give it meaning, but our subconscious also gives it meaning based on what information it has at that moment. We can only process based on what we know. And so it will assign it a meaning, and then an emotion is generated. Once that emotion is generated, it creates a physical feeling in our body. We feel jittery. We feel like our heart's going to burst with joy, or we feel like we, you know, we're so frustrated at something, we need to just go out and run or scream to get that energy out. So many of us refer to our emotions as feelings because we feel our emotions. So once we feel, then we respond or we react in some way. 
And so this cycle continues every moment of every day of our entire life. When something within us creates some sort of a a strong emotional feeling, even if it's only fleeting, that doesn't necessarily define our life, but our subconscious mind can kind of, you know, it keeps a record of all of this and it notices things that are familiar. And as we go through life, if you're someone that goes through life and you have a repeating pattern like that and that feeling comes up a lot, then you may notice that you have an issue that comes up around it. But most of the time, you know, what happens is we will get into a situation that's new or different or just in that moment, the subconscious mind connects the dots and says, you know what, I've felt this feeling before. So you get into this situation where you're just a little bit uncertain. And instead of feeling the emotion of the uncertainty in that moment where you can consciously say, yeah, you know, there's no bear chasing me through the woods here. I'm just hitting the record button on the video. Like, this is no big deal. Right. No one's going to get hurt. I have a video editor. I have an audio editor. Like, it's truly, it's no big deal. But the first time you do it, your heart's pounding and you're, you're shaking. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And what can happen is some people can become with the uncertainty and unsureness of what the outcome is going to be, they can become so overwhelmed with fear and uncertainty that they procrastinate. They put off doing it or they find something else to do instead, or they may go into a complete state of paralysis and say, oh no, video is not for me. What's happened is the subconscious mind has connected these dots and says, whoa, whoa, I have felt this before. And through a process of emotional resonance, you bring the energy and the intensity of all of those events into that moment. So it's not that those things caused this issue. The subconscious mind just recognizes it's felt it before Mm -hmm. and it didn't like it. It's making a link. So it's amplified. Mm-hmm. So that's really the, the basis of, of where I work from. So when you find yourself and you feel like you have this mental handbrake on, like there's something holding you back and, and you can't put your finger on it, or if you're having negative thoughts, it's like, oh, people won't like this. What will people say? When it comes to the negative thinking, the, the first thing I have to say is sometimes thoughts are habit. Sometimes they're not necessarily a subconscious block. Now, they're generated by a feeling that's generated in the subconscious, but sometimes we can have an event and it's like, oh, well, that didn't go very well. And as time passes, we will remind ourselves that it didn't go very well, whatever the aspect is. We can actually kind of unknowingly get into the habit of talking ourselves out of things Mm -hmm. simply by repeating the statement. So when that comes up, You ask yourself, what specifically makes me say that now? Like, what specifically am I concerned is going to happen? And in that moment, if you recognize that your answer is not anything that's truly life-shattering that you have to be concerned about, then you can reframe it and say, this is different. I know this is right. I know this is what I'm meant to do. I'm going to go ahead and you push through that discomfort. And what you're doing in that moment is you're breaking that connection to that old habit of that thought. 
if you do that and you still find yourself in paralysis and stuck in procrastination, then it could be a subconscious belief. And the easiest way to challenge that is to find some hypnosis audio recordings. Start at that level where you there are free hypnosis audios on YouTube. There's hypnosis downloads. Uh, Darren Marks has a phone app. That is a great place to start and see if you can get some traction. For some people, the best way to go is to find someone one-to-one because they can tailor your session to you. But to begin to rewrite those beliefs is the way to go. And creating new habits is part of that and to learn to push through the discomfort. When that's not working, that's when you need to look at the beliefs. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know so understanding, I, mean, I think that you did such a great job of explaining all that. The subconscious mind so when it is down there, when it has, it, you do recognize that it's subconscious. I mean, in the very part, the hardest part about this is that you're not aware, you know, it's by its definition, subconscious means that it's underneath the surface. So for most people walking around, they're not aware of, of what we're discussing right now. And, and yet 95% of our daily action is directed by our subconscious and and so when you're unaware of where every, of where everything, what is being stored, the exact information that's being stored and certainly how to change it, it's just, it's like you're on autopilot. And while you think you're thinking the thoughts and while you think that you're in charge, you know, you and I both know that one of the most interesting facts is that seven seconds before you think you're making the decision, your subconscious mind is making the decision and directing you. I find that, that fascinating. I, I was sharing the story the other day that I, um, I have three kids, but two of them I drive to school consistently, and I've been doing this path um, for the last seven years, one to grade school, one to junior high, and there was a day when the junior high kid wasn't ready, my daughter, and she asked if I could come back and get her, and so I drove the first one, the, the grade schooler, to school, and then all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, I was sitting in the line for drop-off without a child. And so my subconscious mind had gotten me there. I think that's the best way to describe it. It's like mm-hmm. I, did, I wasn't even thinking something else was driving the car. Something else was going on the pattern. And that was an okay pattern. But when we have, I mean, it, I had to obviously come back. It cost me time and those types of things. But when we have patterns that aren't working for us, that are really maybe more detrimental, those become those, those blocks. I'm, you know, those subconscious blocks that we talk about. I'm curious, how do you see those as they relate to business in the business world? Where, where, what kind of subconscious blocks are you seeing in, in, in do, business? Do you mean how do they manifest? Um, not how they manifest. That's thing that they, I, I think you did a good job explaining that. They're, they're coming from an experience where you, and you can correct me, where I think I'm hearing you say is that you, you're linking a, an emotion and then they and you make some interpretation. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I I see where you're going. It varies. It varies. I have had clients who the subconscious feeling, belief of not good enough, linked back to an event when they were three or four, and they had been playing with blocks with mom. They're playing with blocks in their building. And they were so happy with what they had built. And innocently, lovingly, 
Mom's like, oh, that's nice. Let's do it like this because she was trying to teach. But the little one was so proud of that, that in that moment, that just for a split second, that initial impression was that mommy didn't like it. Well, even as children, and we're so literal as children, we can go down a rabbit hole and think if mommy doesn't like it, did I do it wrong? And it's amazing to me sometimes that the meaning that gets put on things, and I believe that part of it becomes from adult awareness and adult perception in the meaning that is being put on the feeling in that moment. Whether or not the exact events that get recalled are accurate is not so much important as the thought, the belief, and the feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, because regression work, which is what I do, is not something that's even admissible in a court of law because the mind can create. We're imaginative people. When we recall memories, we don't always recall them exactly as they were. So I don't get so much hung up on the details of a a situation as the thoughts, the feelings, the beliefs. So um, that's an example of not being good enough. Uh, An example of, of kind of uncertainty being locked in a bathroom. I've had more than one client in my years of doing this that either fear or uncertainty came from having been accidentally locked in a bathroom as a child and not knowing when they were going to get out. That simple not knowing. Did that event cause the problem? No, it didn't cause the problem. It's just a subconscious mind linked it to the present day fear. Right. So in, in what I'm really want to get across. I know I've mentioned that two or three times. I think it's so important because when people hear this, people are so aware of creating a healthy environment for our children and that I don't want somebody taking away from this. Oh my God, what did I do? No, you didn't do anything. (laughs) Right. You didn't do anything. It's just life. Each and every one of us takes our life experiences and based on our our personality and skills that we have, we do with it whatever it is that we do with it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just life. I think what I'm hearing you say is it's less interesting what the story is or what the the thought and the feeling, the belief is, but it is about rewriting it. We, our mind will make up whatever it's going to make up. And if it doesn't serve, then it has to be rewritten. Otherwise, we are going back through that if-then loop again and again without being aware that we're doing it. Yeah. And sometimes I I take my clients through a systematic approach, but sometimes the belief will not be like, do those things aggravate it a little bit? Are they attached to the situation? Yes, but it can be actually a belief that we picked up in our environment later. I had someone that had a major breakthrough when we were doing some forgiveness work and just spontaneously they recognized that they had taken on this social identity that a divorced woman is supposed to be poor and broke. Mm -hmm. And that just, that was the linchpin that just broke everything loose. And I think that uh, that client and I were both amazed at the impact that that insight is what changed it. So, so when you talk about that impact, 
I, I sense it's 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 that the awareness then is able to create support someone in making a new decision and recognizing it's not what maybe have been called fact or true in the past is not. And so therefore they can have, I mean, this is the reason that people work with you is to have a different result or to follow through. This individual didn't even realize that they had latched on to this identity. Like it was something they probably heard growing up, didn't realize it. But the key difference is when you're in hypnosis, when you gain this insight in hypnosis, working directly with the subconscious, you shift that belief immediately without it going through the filter from the conscious mind into the subconscious mind. We have something called a comparing mechanism or a critical factor. The terminology changes and the description of it changes, but basically it's our filter. When we hear something on the news, we don't take everything in as 100% truth. We discern. When you're in hypnosis, that filter is basically on hold so that as the person gains their insights, they're shifting their own beliefs. I, I guide people through a process. It's the client that creates their own insight in their own shifts subconsciously, if yeah. that makes sense. Yes, yes. And I want to talk about that a little bit here. Before I move on, though, I want to, I, you know, I obviously I work with a lot of highly impactful, ambitious leaders. One of the things that I see is that there can be times when they hit their, they hit a block, you know, I sometimes I, you can call it different things, upper limit problem, um, a block there. They, they know what they want to do. They've got a plan or strategy to do it. And they will sit and be floored and stunned at like, why am I not doing what I know to do? And that can look specifically in business, like things like if it's people who are in sales, that they know they're supposed to do their first hour of prospecting or two hours of prospecting or whatever their their high impact leverage work is. And they don't, they get curious. I mean, they're like, I just, I know I'm going to do it. I can do it. I'm going to do it. And, and then they're confused why with a plan and a strategy, they don't do it, that they go get distracted by other things. And as you say, procrastinate. I see it all the time that there's like a, you can be high achieving and then and, and high performing and a person who follows through. And then there might be something that won't let you, that you, 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 as you say, get blocked by. What's happening there? I think that we all work through and peel our layers to the point that we reach that point. Um, someone may be comfortable pushing through, pushing through, pushing through, but then one day the subconscious mind may just simply be like, okay, this is enough. Mm-hmm. Take, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break. This is enough. I've pushed through enough fear. It's interesting to me, someone recently asked me, you know, about the kinds of issues that I I deal with multi-six and seven-figure clients. And I'm like, we, it all boils down to we can have some of the same subconscious misperceptions which create these beliefs that will manifest at some point. It's just a matter of when we run into a circumstance or a situation where it's going to resonate and it's going to bring up the past. And then the emotion of the past is going to put that handbrake Uh on what we're doing. And my guess would be, and I see this in a lot of people, either they're making a huge decision 
were in the past with a similar huge decision, things didn't go as well as they thought it would, or they found out after the fact, maybe someone had taken advantage of them financially within the business, or maybe it's something that's a breakthrough and it's new and it's different and they know it's going to be life-changing, but it signals a pivot in their own belief and positioning. And subconsciously, they're uncertain as to how it's going to be received. And that can be what triggers that moment. I think that is so interesting. And and I want to piggyback on that because one of the things that I hear consistently when I'm first starting with people, especially is, I, I mean, that I lost my confidence. I don't understand. I mean, I used to be I used to be that person. I used to be confident. But what I'm hearing you say is that there can be an experience or something which they reinterpret that that then it, I mean people a, mo, a lot of people feel like they have higher confidence in their 30s or 20s and 30s than they have in their 40s and 50s and it's frustrating a it's can be stifling and even debilitating and so that's why I like you when you start you start we started talking and you're just like I just you're so passionate about this I am too I think at some point to me even when I began the work a long time ago I I I was like, I don't understand why everyone doesn't know this. I don't understand why we, this isn't taught in grade schools, I, that, you, you know, that, that we know how to work with the factor that is the biggest lever. And so, and making it, you know, both applicable and not just knowing it, knowing how to apply it. And I, I appreciate you introducing before a little bit about self-hypnosis, which is where I got started at some point. And, and then one-to-one, there is a lot of, I say, low-hanging fruit that you can do in different ways that you can heal or rearrange or reprogram your subconscious mind. And then there's an opportunity, you know, once, what you realize is that when you reprogram your mind, on the other side is freedom. And that's pretty yeah. much, that's what I sell. It, it, not only freedom, but income too. I mean, it, abundance is on the other side of it because you unleash and you open up. What's your commentary or thought around why doesn't everybody know this? Or why aren't we taught this? Why is this, you know, I do believe, and I wonder if you do, that it, it will be very mainstream in the next five to 10 years. It's not that it's new. It's just that the, 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 we continue to put together yeah. transformational psychology and spirituality. Everything in the past decade, in the past generation has really been conspiring to support brain science, the same thing. And I'm going to blow away your past decade comment here. But if I could figure out how to get into schools yeah. and, and get this message to grade school teachers, I, I think that parents should know, not that we need to walk on eggshells about how we raise our kids, but part of what I do has to do with this emotional resonance and, and to teach people how to have a healthy way to deal with emotions. Because if we tend to stuff our emotions and we're not allowed to express, these issues manifest much earlier in life. But you talk about the last decade, Emile Couet was a French pharmacist. And, he, you know, back in those days, around the turn of the 20th century, a pharmacist might also do what we consider now psychotherapy and that type of thing. But Emile Couet had a mantra, every day in every way, I am better and better. And I'm paraphrasing that. But he did a couple of things. First of all, he noticed that when he gave someone a treatment, a medication, a treatment, that if he told them that it was going to make them better, 
And if he had them say to themselves every day in every way, I am better and better, they did better than the ones he didn't. And he also did an experiment in the Nancy school and the teachers making a healthy statement about the children in that school. Those classrooms were more settled and did better than the ones who didn't. So in terms of teaching everyone, getting it out there to schools and that kind of thing, he, he started it over a hundred years ago. And it's like, what are we waiting on? Right. What right. are we waiting on? Right. It's like, I mean, I mean, we know, you know, when the beginning of a year starts and, you know, by February 2nd, everyone there, you know, 92% of people have dropped their new year's resolution. I find it even interesting in business. There's um, BCG did a, so had some research of companies that were beginning a transformation and that 85% of companies have undertaken a transformation during the past decade, but that that same research found that 75% of those transformations were recognized as not improving anything in their in performance or short or long term. So what is what the, the as we say, you know, cons- I always say consultants are spent billions of dollars are spent on strategy. And but you can't, you can have all the strategy, we have all the information to make change. But what happens when people and organizations aren't making shifts is it's because of these internal blocks and blind spots. Someone like you being able to help people make these shifts that there's just, it's like letting the floodgates out. What are the types, if you can give an example or a story of a type of a result of someone, I see them as tapeworms, you know, reprogramming the, the tapeworm that's like this long, um, I have nas- sort of uh, ugly, I guess, <laughs> metaphors, but, you know, if we can ex- extract the tapeworm and put it in the glass jar, what are some of, like, give us an example of a result perhaps in business that you see and how that changed something? So one of my clients has a testimonial on the website, Catherine Zinkina. She's owner of Manifestation Babe. And she just felt that there was some resistance there, you know, and it was just like, you know, I want to get rid of this. And so we did, did the work together and the following launch, her goal had been for that to be her biggest launch ever, and it was a great launch, but the key thing she noticed was that it was easy, mm. and it was easy. I mean, anybody who's done launches, and I haven't, but I've been around a lot of people who have, they talk about how hard they are, how stressful they are, and constant, and I just heard recently she's going to be speaking at BBD Live for James Wedmore again, because in January, she had her largest launch ever. Now, is that a direct result of the work that we did? Yeah, I can't claim that. But making things easier Mm -hmm. allows us to show up in a different way. Yes. You say easier with less pain and less struggle. And I love the word that you use is resistance. So I, I, I sense that how would someone know that there is a subconscious block? And I think that that word is there's a resistance or a hesitancy mm-hmm. to do something or to experience a feeling even that yeah. you, want, you want to have. If you're dreading doing something, if you're resisting doing something, if you're avoiding it, procrastinating, distracting, there is something that you were protecting yourself from 
right? It's your subconscious mind protecting yourself. Say, okay, how do I benefit by not doing this thing? In other words, if I follow through and I do this thing, what is the worst that could possibly happen? And there's possibly some fear or uncertainty around that. And that's where that belief is coming in and it's creating that resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. So maybe you brought it up a little bit before, but to those people who wonder about hypnosis and might go back to the traditional you know, someone sitting on a stage who's clucking like a chicken type thing and the the stereotypical type of hypnosis, which I would say is the only thing that I'd ever heard of or seen in my world. Um, what would you say to them about maybe American Medical Association's position on it or and, and anything else that, that might concern them or be a worry? Well, generally, the biggest worry is, can somebody make me do something I don't want to do? Right. And... Going into hypnosis is a consensual process because you have to follow directions. If you're afraid, if you're concerned, if you don't trust the person that you're with, you're not going to follow those directions. Now, you mentioned the clucking like a chicken on stage, and I think that that really bears a little bit of explanation in that when people volunteer to go on stage at those stage shows, They already know they're going to do wild, funny, crazy, ridiculous things, Mm -hmm. right? So that's part of the consent process there. And a lot of people get concerned that they can get stuck. And that's a myth as well. If I were to be working with a client and our connection got lost because I do my work online, what's going to happen is either... They might drift off to sleep or in a few minutes of noticing that I'm not speaking, they'll open their eyes, look at the screen because protocol is, you know, if you notice I'm not speaking after a minute or two, check your screen. If we're frozen back out, come back in and we can literally pick up and go right back to where we were. So you can't get stuck. If it was anything that was truly against your morals, you can actually reject suggestion. When it comes to direct suggestion hypnosis, which is what the audios are that you listen to, metaphors, that type of thing, if it goes against your beliefs or it's a metaphor that you don't click or connect with, you're going to think, you know, I mean, you might even consciously be aware of it of like, that doesn't sound like me or I don't like that. So you, you tend to reject that. And then the deeper work that I do, it, it's all client. I, I guide the client, but it's all client-based. The, the yeah. client gets out of it what they put into it. I, I don't force anything to happen. Right, right. And I, I think, you know, what was interesting is when you started, this came back from the American Medical. I mean, they were using it as pain management option. Do you have anything to say on that? I do have a lot to say on that. I I think that every client going in for surgery, every patient going in for surgery should be at least be given guided visualization or hypnosis audios to listen to pre-surgery because there are studies back to the 80s done by Kaiser Permanente. They funded the studies and 89% of people who use some form of suggestion visualization or hypnosis do better than people who did nothing. And I think that's, I I think it's interesting how they framed the result. 89% of the people who did this had less, had less post-op pain, nausea. They worded it in a way that 
it didn't put this at the forefront of like, hey, if you do this, you are going to do better than 89% of those people over there. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's part of hypnosis. It's all framing yeah. part of it. So, yeah, it's, it's very effective. I and if, if you're having any kind of a health care issue, any kind of health yeah. issue, if stress makes it worse, find yourself a hypnotist. Because when you use the hypnosis to learn how to control your stress response, you're going to do better. Yeah. Oh, God, love that. And I have recommended that for absolutely, like you said, absolutely everybody who is going into surgery or is having any health issue. You can do a lot online, as you made mention of um, self-hypnosis. And I know I began there. I mean, many, many years I began in that space and just couldn't believe how rapidly, that's the other piece. I don't think it's how rapidly change could happen with the ease and less struggle, as you mentioned. And I, I mean, it was in, within weeks and days, not months and years for me. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I'm so passionate about what I do in the, in, the, in, the, in the work of, you know, using your brain and your mind optimally. And I will say I have worked with Penny personally and professionally. And again, the same thing. I think it's wonder. I, I've been curious because I also wanted to be able to have a resource like you for people who might find themselves stuck at a deeper level. And I just, I, I, I can't say enough about you and your skill set, first of all. Um, but what I also find so fascinating is that, I mean, I've been clearing stuff for, you know, 20 years. I've been doing my work where you, you as you say, you peel the onion or you strip away the layers. And it's totally fascinating and interesting to me to see is, are there any other tapeworms there? And there always are, you know, are there any other blocks that I am not aware of? And what is so fascinating, I call it an interpretation, but it could be like an ant that's looked at you wrong that I, you know, that you've made a, like made some association and emotion with that needs to be changed or reprogrammed so that you can do something that's completely has no bearing on that, the topic. I am such a big fan. It's, it's helped me in so many ways. I got very passionate and did a lot of hypnosis a couple of years ago. I happened to be, and I'm totally fine now, but I was, I was attacked by two men and I thought I was absolutely fine. I mean, and I was, I, I would say, I was like, it was no big deal. I, I moved through it. it. And, and so my left brain analytical mind thought it was, I was fine. What I realized I was with my daughters in, in Nordstrom at some point and someone came through the door that I couldn't see and my subconscious mind screamed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew that you can think that you're a certain way and you're okay, but th- I, I became immensely engrossed and have become an expert, um, not to the level of where I'm do, what, doing exactly what you're doing, and but that it, how important the whole processing, the reprocessing of that is. And I did, was able to do it with self-hypnosis, but had I not been able to, I would have gone further. I would have, I mean, I would definitely recommend, you know, and, and so it, working with someone like yourself. Yeah. It, and you talk about the ease of using the audios. There are different levels of suggestibility. Some people, I think it's close to 10% aren't suggestible, but then there are varying degrees of suggestibility. And the more suggestible that you are, the more quickly and more easily you see that change take place. The nice thing about the work that I do is, is that the client creates a shift in belief. So it's not about suggestibility. 
So even towards the end of that process, if it's someone who's not suggestible, they still have a shift in their thinking. And I have to emphasize that even with this work, like we're dealing with the subconscious mind, I can't guarantee any one result. I can guarantee them that the process that I take them through mm-hmm. will help them gain some shifts. I can't guarantee the degree of the shift. And I also can't walk away with that person and hold their hand and observe them and rhyme, no, no, remember, you're supposed to do this now. Like, you have to have a plan of action. You have to actually take action after well, the I sessions like, are done. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can only meet people at the 50. As I always say, like, I'm going to, I can do half the work, but I'm going to need you to meet me at the 50 yard line. I can say, and that's what I always do is, is that from personal experience, you know, I look for referrals. I look for people who yeah. to endorse. And so I, I get that. And uh, I totally, I do endorse you. And I'm going to make sure our, our listeners that your, all your information is available to them in our show notes. One of the words that was used to describe maybe what you do that I resonated with is that you basically get, you neutralize what could be a triggering, otherwise triggering experience. So it's very neutral if it's someone in business to now sit down and prospect or to organize their work or to um, step up to say, I'm bringing this love, this next level of leadership to the organization. And these are the practical ways that something like this helps you unleash to serve as a, brave, a bold, brave leader that you want and intend to be and to make the impact that so many of the great people that I work with have, but might be holding back on. So this, I'm grateful for you for so many reasons, but I'm grateful for you to, to spend the time with us today. The last thing, tell anybody, tell us how you, we can, and, and if someone was interested in working with you, what they should do. Yeah, so you can go to the website, pennychason.com, or you can drop me an email at admin at pennychason.com and connect with Amber. She's my assistant, and uh, we can set something up. Great. And I'm going to have all the ways you spell your fun name in our show notes. <laughs> thank you for what you do, Penny, and thank you for sharing yourself today. Thank you for having me to talk about it because I love it. Thanks, Rita. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. 